Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And JJ. You can give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Go to freetalklive.com. Link to whatever you want to link to. That's what we do at Free Talk Live. We're an interactive media organization. Yeah, got, you got the fingers in, in multiple uh, pools of something. That's right. People can put their fingers in us because we're yes. interactive. <laughs> Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. So, JJ, this Occupy Wall Street thing. Yes. It has been occupying the periphery of my mind for a couple of days, few days here, and I... You know, I can't get entirely get excited about it, but at the same time, I think it's interesting, and I'm not sure entirely what's going on there. On there, and you know, you you apparently have been following this a little more closely than me. Certainly, I have. I, I did a story for uh, Freaking TV recently that included this. I cut up some footage and just tried to tell a little bit of what's going on. And so I've been I've been p- keeping track of it and and just sort of monitoring the, the news feed of of like Facebook. A lot of friends that I have are interested in this topic so there's a lot of stories that keep coming up and you know as an aggregator Facebook is really good at collecting what my friends are interested in and I'm pretty interested in this topic so I got this story here I'm going to read a little bit about uh from rawstory.com do you like them yes yes uh so uh the latest the latest news is that uh, labor unions and liber uh liberal activist groups plan to throw their weight behind the occupy wall street protests in new york city that has now lasted 13 straight days, according to Crane's New York. A diverse coalition of people have pledged to occupy Wall Street until something's done about corporate greed and financial systems' undemocratic influence on the U.S. government. The, okay. pro- the protesters have been camped out in New York City's old Liberty Plaza, now called Zuccotti Park, since seven, uh, September 17th. And uh, well, that's, from what uh, I've seen... We're going on two weeks now. Well, from what I've seen... Somebody needs a bath. Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's a lot of... Things going on as far as food and, and you know, there's a lot of services being provided within the, the rolling, protesters. Rolling and, shower truck. Well, and as well, there's there's vendors to buy food from. And, Selling and, showers. I'm sure. I'm sure. You're really onto the shower thing, aren't you? That's, I think it's important that big, people bathe. I agree. Okay. I agree. Uh, but it, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of different sort of groups. Um, besides the labor uh, labor unions and liberal groups, the uh, there's been... Flight uh, airline pilots have recently joined the protest. Interesting. And uh, there's there's some really good footage. A couple of airline pilots or the airline pilots have joined the protest. Hundreds of unifar unif- this this story comes out of. Uh, I see this. So that's a labor thing, and they're you know the the, the big uh, airlines. Gotcha. Yeah, according to Forbes.com, over 700 continental and United pilots joined by additional pilots from other airlines demonstrate in front of Wall Street on September 27th. 2011. That's uh, a day ago or a couple days. But, yeah. yeah, but the idea is that a lot of different groups are getting involved with their various gripes. There's a lot of people out of work. A lot of the young people that are involved in this protest are there because they have student debt that they are trying to pay off, but they can't pay off because they can't get jobs with the degrees they've just gotten. So there's a lot of frustration. Sure. A lot of people feeling disaffected by the situation. And it's somebody also, told me I should go to college. Right. And now I've got. Well, a degree and a bunch of debt and nothing else. I think I think there's it's sort of a double-edged sword from what I've seen because it, it's it's not only something where activists can go out there and actually you know uh, basically protest like the Fed for example. There's a lot of in, uh, places where the Fed is being occupied, and it's not just New York City anymore. In fact, there are Occupy can, uh, 
I saw just recently that Occupy Kentucky, uh, Chicago, Los Angeles. This is what they had hoped for was that right. there would be secondary um, or you know uh, peripheral uh, Occupy whatever. I think, is going I think on. it's sort of interesting to to look at this in light of the the Arab uprising that's happened. So what do they want again? Basically, there's a lot of different wants. That mm-hmm. that's part of the complaint about this protest is that there is no one party line or no one soundbite that that explains what's going on in fact there's a lot of individuals who have a lot of individual gripes so it's difficult for like the the mainstream media to come on the scene and get the story and yeah. put it in there you know they got a minute and a half to fill sure so they can't they can't do that so it's protesters saying this crap sucks there's all kinds of reasons whether it. it's uh some of them are are from the left there's a lot of very liberal sort of uh slogans being bantered about as far as the, I heard that corporate you know, word, which yeah, is corporate often... corporate greed, uh, yeah, there's the, the financial system, and it's the whole 99% and the 1% richest, you know, that sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a lot of liberty activists taking part in this and using it to sort of push their agendas as far as the Fed, as an example, and just government regulations, government oversight, and and overstepping its, its uh, constitutional limits. So I think there's a lot of potential for this to basically spread and evolve into a bunch of different kinds of protests. And I think as far as America goes, being the melting pot that it is, I think that's the only way we can actually have some sort of peaceful revolution or whatever you wish to call it, a peaceful rally, is to have multiple fronts, multiple uh, It's people um, getting together that um, may have different ideas but hope to see change, and yes. they're all getting together, and it, they're they're... Doing what they they're can mad do. As hell, they're not, not going to take it anymore. There's not much you can do besides what they're doing. I mean, you know. So right. I, I think as far as the the whole idea of the peaceful protest, and that's that's been really emphasized by what's yep. going on. A lot of the yep. footage. In fact, I'm I'm going to be cutting together another Occupy Wall Street video soon. But a lot of I'm the getting f- a little convinced, JJ. Up to this point, I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. This is dumb. Right. But uh, you know, I'm I'm ever so slightly convinced with what you're saying here. Yes, I, like I said, it does have the potential for to other you know there there is a po- a possibility for organizations to insert their own agenda into this sure. sort of protest, and, and there's say, a possibility for you yes, and I to exactly, insert our or, um, exactly. agendas just in the but same way. But at the way. same time, the emphasis being on peaceful protesting and allowing the police to abuse and and hurt individuals and then capture that on, on video and propagate the video. That's pretty much the model that's being followed, and. I'm seeing it spring up in other locations, Los Angeles, Chicago, for example, and more specifically, seeing it spring up in front of Federal Reserve buildings, I think is heartening in my estimation of what's going on. I think this is definitely going to continue as more and more unions and various groups join into it. I think it's going to build and and be the the American uh, uprising of sorts. The Tahrir Square uprising. The, yeah, uh, the American Spring. I, I can't say it's it's going to be like now. that. Obviously, the United States is slightly different in temperament and and tools than you know the the Arab world is. But I think it's definitely going to be this you know our version the the you know first world country uh you know economic power version of a revolution something like that was sort of going on in in great britain i mean just a couple of weeks ago they were having a a bit of an uprising of course theirs didn't entirely stay peaceful well one thing i'd call that uh, a mistake one thing to note is that initially the the blackout from news agencies about this this whole topic you couldn't find when i when i first cut together my first video about this it was the only news agency i could find and this was about this was on Sunday, I believe. The only news agency was RT. 
You couldn't find yeah. CNN. You couldn't find MSNBC coverage or Fox News. MSNBC came out on like Monday or Tuesday with one, and um, you know that's a that's a good yes. thing. Yes. Um, now, now, yes, now. A lot of the uh, the footage I have available now covers a, a broader swath of news media. Yeah, which, there was once MSNBC did it, then everybody started following suit very right. shortly. But it's it's interesting to note that that this whole you know the media sort of. Right turned at the right at the same time, and they they about faced at the same. They time. They always and, do uh, because one of them essentially what they do is they wait for one of them to break, right. in whatever way, and then the rest of them will cover. Oh my God, they're doing it! Yeah. We've got to cover this too. Yeah, get out there and cover that. Um, so I mean, you know, this is this is their standard mo. Um, is you know they ignore ignore you until they one of them doesn't ignore you anymore, and and then um they all will pay attention. Right, and there's some very graphic footage coming out. Um, the footage I cut up back on Sunday, the the basically the worst part I had at the time was this this group of women who was who were basically caged with this this sort of nylon orange you know netting that police yeah. used, and the police were sort of surrounding them, and one officer came up and just pepper sprayed the whole group that was just sitting there in this 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 sort of containment area yeah. and then they found out since then that that guy apparently uh, was a little pepper spray crazy he'd uh, sprayed some folks that uh, an anti-george bush rally in, in 2004 right. or something but like I, ha- that. I have footage now of people being drugged by their hair uh, women being drugged by their hair Jeez. and just pushed up held against walls and just sort of brutalized by these new york police uh detectives and, and officers so it's very graphic hmm. Well, we're going to talk about this a bit more. 855-453. If you've got anything that you want to chime in about, about the Occupy Wall Street, I'd love to hear from you. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A -a pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you and JJ. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Here on Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver, either as an investment, a hedge against inflation, barter currency in case things go really bad. Whatever your reason for wanting gold and silver, the best thing to do is get it at the lowest price you can. Right now, gold and silver on a little dip. Now's a great time to buy. Um, you can go to gold.freetalklive.com. We have uh, plenty of coins there that you can check with other places to make sure they're getting the best price. Plus, when you do buy from gold.freetalklive.com, and not only are you su- uh, supporting Free Talk Live and Genesis Communications Network, our syndicate, and you're getting the great prices, uh, that uh, some of the best prices you can get on the Internet. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Pete in Manchester. Pete. Pete, can you hear me? Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, Pete. Hey, good to be with you. What's awesome. on your What's on your mind, Pete? I uh, heard you guys were talking about Occupy Wall Street. Just wanted to call in. I was down there last uh, Friday and Saturday, and uh, didn't know if I could share any insight. Uh, also, 
um, related to Occupy Wall Street, I, I have an idea for a video contest that uh, will probably hopefully be live tomorrow. But uh, if there's anybody out there that's uh, cuts up videos and is pretty hardcore, like stay tuned. Uh, we should have should have a way for you to make uh, some money if uh, you're interested in making a video to speak to the Occupy Wall Street. People. Who's we? Well, um, it's going to be a collaborative effort. Essentially, the idea is like folks on the ground at Occupy Wall Street. They're they're already disillusioned with the with what's going on. <clears throat> they're not happy. And, what's uh, going on in the United States as far as the system or something like that? Exactly. Okay. And uh, and yes, there are there were like voluntarists and folks that I would align with. I guess like philosophically down there, but uh, a lot of the folks that I ran into, uh, you know, berated corporations and. That was where they chose to allocate their uh, anger or their uh, distrust. And I and uh, I would, if we went down there, if us three went down there, we were only able to have conversations like on a one-on-one level or a one-on-small level. So like I thought, hey, why not why not try to get these ideas out there in a video form with the target audience being the folks on the ground at the different Occupy Wall Street rallies around the country, and uh, essentially just try to drop like a principled message, one that's like uh, natural right, natural law sort of. Uh, voluntarist message or like a market anarchist sort of efficiency argument and um, so like Fox and LST we're going to we're going to fr- put a hundred dollars towards this Freedom Phoenix is already committed to a hundred bucks sounds like uh, we have a few other organizations in the in the fold that are uh, probably going to come to the table with that so essentially and so there might be a few hundred a, bucks for, for making a video oh exactly and we're going to have a PayPal option I already created the button so like folks like if, if Someone listening thinks this is a good idea. They can throw in five bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever, and whatever money comes in will go out to the winners. Like the, the money will be half, uh, one for each uh, each of the two videos, and uh, you know we'll have like a two week timeline maybe. But uh, essentially, we just want to crowdsource this thing and share ideas and try to get these uh, in front of as many people as we can. When crowdsourcing works, it really works. Yeah, and and Pete, uh, this is Pete from Liberty on Tour. Just for those that don't, uh, the listeners that don't know. So he is definitely a guy that uh, follows through with his projects and and gets stuff done. So uh, Pete, what do you? What was your sort of uh, experience when you went down there and were were just sort of interacting with people? What was your? Yeah, your, is your this sort useless? Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I actually went. We had contemplated going down the week week uh, it started the weekend it started, but uh, talked to some friends in the area and they were like, "Well, I don't know. It might be like a bus." Or something. So we we went down there actually on Friday to, for a taping of a John Stossel segment, and then went down to uh, Liberty Plaza that uh, afternoon evening and, and just interviewed some folks, talked with them. There's maybe 250 people there. It was raining. The weather wasn't too nice. So then the next day we went back and uh, we just expected to do more interviews, talk to folks on the ground. But uh, as as we walked south uh, to Lower Manhattan, we started hearing drums, and all of a sudden uh, over the Two blocks south of us, we see this big crowd coming north marching. And, and so we just got into the fray and we just, uh, you know, try to document as we went. But it was pretty, it was a pretty, uh, it's going to be an experience I won't forget. I mean, the amount of energy there was, was you know, through the roof. Energy is important. Folks. Yeah. And there was a lot of folks, like just tourists walking down the street, people shopping, like the store owner who was probably from the Middle East, you know, he had a peace sign. He was just standing there real happy. And uh, it was, it was a, a very like dynamic situation. Uh, it was very clear that the police did not have control of it, and you know they reacted the only way they knew how, which is using the tool of force. Uh, they started making arrests, and especially once the protesters, uh, the demonstrators, got to Union Square, uh, they had, you know marched a couple miles north, 
And it, it was one of the best examples I could I can explain to show um, bottom up decentralization, the spontaneity of it versus top down control was the march itself. You know, the folks there would be a few people on bicycles that would you know go a block ahead and they'd see, hey, the cops are starting to form a line across this intersection. So they they'd roll back to the the people marching towards them and say, hey, take a right here, take a right here, and and the crowd would just shift, just like. Wow, that's awesome. So it's a parade, uh, uh, an impromptu crowdsourced parade that yep. with um, sort of a, a decentralized aspect where the, uh, the, you know, say bicyclists will go up and do sort of scouting expeditions and they're just marching all over. Yep, it was awesome. And that's very interesting. So now, yep. um, as far as doing this parade, they're in the middle of the street and essentially stopping traffic and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, initially the police were trying to uh, keep the marchers to the sidewalk, uh, once, especially once we got over to Broadway and headed north to Union Square. Uh, they pretty much just took over the street and, uh, you know, cops run around. Uh, if you watch some of the videos, we have, we've put out four videos on coplock.org slash Occupy Wall Street. There's four videos from the uh, our Saturday, Friday and Saturday down there, and uh, you'll see that there's some police officers that have red jackets on, and, and those were... Uh, like most of the police officers were standing around, didn't know what to do. We're looking for orders, and the folks, the uh, police officers with the red jackets, they must have been a higher rank or something. Were delegating orders, so you'll see one of them come into a shot and like and wave his arm, and like all of a sudden a bunch of cops like follow his lead and and do whatever motion he was making. So interesting. It was uh, yeah. Now, um, do you think that these protesters are doing more harm than good by b- blocking traffic? I've often been of the opinion that protesting and blocking traffic can be detrimental to your cause. I'm not 100% sure. I've seen it uh, you know, done in other places, but you know, i got to say, when I'm in my car and I want to go someplace, your little protest doesn't matter that much to me. Yeah, I, I can understand where you're coming from, and, and I have seen people take issue with the fact that they were marching on the road and they were stopping traffic and, you know, impeding commerce, as it were. But um, I would say, you know, this is another problem with public property, you know, road socialism. If these were private private roads, you know, it could have been handled a lot differently. But um, Well, but at this point, the roads say, are designated for a particular activity. Agree, agreed, um, there is, there's a problem with, uh, with, with public property in general. People that have to pay for public property should be able to use that public property in the way that they wish. However, it's generally accepted that roads are designated for where the cars go. Sidewalks are designated for where the people go. Well, I think part of what they wanted to do was actually stop the traffic. Part, yeah, yeah. part of what they wanted to do was stop the people from getting into these financial We have an ines- inefficient, unfair system, so I'm going to inefficiently and un- I'm going to unfairly make your day inefficient. Well, hey, I just don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I don't. You know, this this is the one type of protest that really bugs me. That uh, r- walking on the road, Pete. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, that's about it. Thanks for the call. Eight fifty five four fifty three. It's a SACL toll free call in line. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kit Essentials Nutritionally Complete Drink, providing your picky eater with essential nutrition and great taste in one drink. Visit us at kitessentials.com. To make sure your kids eat healthy, follow the five-a-day plan. Serve three servings of vegetables and two servings of fruit daily. Remember, a serving could just mean a piece of fruit or a half cup of veggies. If your kids are picky eaters, ask a nutritionist about other sources. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday.
855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line here on Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Check out the cam at cam.freetalklive.com. Not only can you listen to the show, but you can watch it too if that's what you wish to do. There's a chat room there. You can chat with other folks who are watching the show. It's a fun time had by all. Cam.freetalklive.com. But did I mention it's free? Wow. The Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle is an affordable, versatile, reliable rifle. It'll deliver 10 rounds of 308 Winchester performance in a variety of situations. It's compact, lightweight, accommodates a host of optics. It's a serious rifle for those serious about rifles. The perfect do-it-all bolt-action rifle where rugged, reliable Ruger meets the practical tactical. The Ruger Gunsight Scout Rifle, the one rifle you have to have if you can have only one. You can go see it at Ruger.com. Pick it up at your local gun dealer. Ruger.com. Let's go to Scott in Massachusetts. Scott? Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Scott, I am well. Doing all right. Scott the Bigot calling from Massachusetts. I'd like to discuss, if I may, uh, the Wall Street protest. I side with the protesters. What 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 if they're Jewish? What's that? What if they're Jewish? It doesn't matter. Let me explain why. Okay. They are combating uh, evil capitalism. I know that's a tired phrase, but let me rephrase that. Jewish capitalism. (laughs) I have proof here. You have Lloyd Blankfein, who's the head of Goldman Sachs. Uh He made not millions, hundreds of millions of dollars for himself within a year. Okay. Then you've got Alan Schwartz from Bear Stearns, Uh swindled millions from, from Bear Stearns. Jamie Dimond also Jewish, head of J.P. Morgan Chase. Richard Fold, head of Lehman Brothers, which is now defunct. I lost $190,000 through Lehman Brothers. I bet that hurts. Yes, why, would you, why would you as a bigot put money uh, into <laughs> a company that was headed by a Jew? That's a good question, and I'll give you a good answer. Okay. Because I wanted to make money. I see. And, oh. but, but I'll tell you what it taught me. It reinforced me never to do business with Jewish firms again. I got you. And Bernie, let's not forget Bernie Madoff, the uh, the sixty five billion dollar Ponzi scheme genius, who's doing a hundred and fifty years stretch in the slammer in Butler, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, now, what I'm getting at is this: Are all the bankers Jews? No, there's Gentile bankers. Are all the big boys the cause the the the, the meltdown in 2008 and why we're in a depression now? Yes, absolutely. They no. are international Jewish bankers. Not all of them are. That would be a uh, incorrect statement. Now, my question to you is this. If you, you had said on the last show that you wanted to take all the Jews and move to Madagascar. And I'm wondering if you've got protesters on the ground that are Jewish, and I know you do. And you've got protesters that are black, and I know you do. And you've got protesters that are gay, and I know you do. Yep. Um, then what, uh, you know, how does this fit into your paradigm? Do you only want to take the rich international Jewish bank? and stick them on Madagascar? And if you want to do that, how do you keep them there? That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to answer your question. Maybe maybe your hate is unsustainable. Wow. No, no. Are all, <laughs> no. Are all Jews need to be persecuted? No. That's, there, there are decent ones. Like there are, uh, I'm talking about, let me rephrase what I'm saying. I'm talking about a guy like Lloyd Blankfein. I'm talking about a man like George Soros. Let's look at George Soros. He's a manipulator, currency manipulator, behind this new world order, which I know you've discussed time and time again on your show. I'm not sure. He's a dangerous, evil man. He is an evil man. That's the word he is. He's an evil man. He deserves to be with Lloyd Blankfein, Alan Schwartz, Jamie Dimon, Richard Fult, Bernie Madoff. They need to be separated where they are not, can can, uh, do uh, 
can do damage. And then the Nazis. Well, they can only do damage because of the um, the government, which has a, a monopoly privilege on the use of violence that they have claimed for themselves. If they didn't have that monopoly privilege, then people wouldn't need to be um, these these folks wouldn't need to be separated because they wouldn't have any power over other other people. But what I'm saying is, with your your uh, listeners are saying, well, how can you say Jewish Wall Street? I'm saying as the majority, not the entirety, but the majority, have caused Jewish bankers have caused our misery. And if you don't believe me, if I, you don't believe me... I can't see look, that... Look, right. look, 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 I, I know what look you're at, saying. Look, there are Jewish bankers who, who have positions of power in the banking industry. Yes, there are, but there's also plenty. plenty in the banking. Look at the Federal Reserve that has far more power than any of these Jewish bankers. And, and all these other banks, what about the banks in other countries that are colluding with the banks in this country? You know, what about the World Bank or the IMF? You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of players in this field here. And, and to take one sort of stab in the dark and, and at Jews as the, the whole, uh, you know, the, the burden or the, the big bad wolf, whatever you want to call it, that's just foolish, I think. You need, you need to just, there's individuals making, you know, harmful and hateful decisions and the individuals ought to be held accountable, regardless of what their features or, or characteristics are. And I think just just having the uh, the uh, the mindset of let's let's solve these issues with the banks, let's stop you know all these regulations that allow the banks to have these sort of monopoly type powers, and and making it difficult for banks to st- uh, new banks to start up and whatnot. Why don't we look at that instead of of wasting so much time and, and energy on hatred and and bigotry? I don't I don't see anything productive that you can accomplish with your anger. I'll tell you what's productive, that people will be educated, as Henry Ford did in, in, the, in the International Jew. I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the, the uh, uh, Federal Reserve. Ben, Benjamin Bernanke is the head of the Federal Reserve. Uh, uh, the person before him was Alan Greenspan. The Federal Reserve was created by Paul Warburg in 1913. Okay, so what? The, the, what I'm getting at is this. It's a Jewish I think device. it's irrelevant. It's, oh, it's absolutely relevant. It's I can't see relevant it. But you're, so you're America has been plunged into depression and despair is because of these evil international Jewish bankers. Yes, but your solution the other night was to, um, you know, to, to, to kick the blacks and Latinos out of the United States and send the Jews to Madagascar. And I don't I think that prefer- even if you're right, even if yeah. you're right about yeah. what your statement is, and I'm not saying I believe that at all, being a you know, portion Jewish myself, um, what you're, you're, you have an un, unworkable and evil plan. I would like to see, and I'm not going to double talk uh, with, with your audience. I want, I would, this is what I would prefer to see. I'd like to see a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, or at least Christian, um, white Christian America. That's what I would like to see. And I know that it, 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 it's, 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 it's fantasy. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it can't it, happen. It, I got news but for it you. Could no, it can't. It's Not anymore. You're, this is the melting pot, baby. It's, yeah, it's There's a, so many colors and races that, and that, religions. That, that little ship has sailed. It is. It is a melting it's pot. Not so much a melting pot. Scott, what do you do for a living? You can close your eyes all day long. But it's what happens out there? What do you do for it's a living, Scott? I'm self-employed. Does that mean you? How often do you leave your house during the day? I leave quite a bit. I do errands and things. I'm busy. I, I'm just, I, 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 I don't. Let's put it this way. I don't. I don't live off the dole from the federal government. I don't. I don't live off of SSI or or disability. I'm not a parasite like millions of blacks, Hispanics, and yes, people. Corporate welfare. Yes, Jewish bankers. There's more are white people welfare. on. There are more white people on welfare than there are blacks. Those white parasites. White 
Anglo-Saxon Protestant parasites. There's a lot of trailer, white trailer trash, I agree, that are lazy, that don't want to do anything, and I agree with you. Yes, that's true. Do you provide a service to somebody in your business, though? This is what I'm trying to... I I, I can hardly imagine you interacting with people and not bringing this up, and then those people continuing to interact with you very much. I find it very hard to interact with the world. It's very difficult for me. uh, Do you think it it would be better if you started, like, perhaps didn't spew hate all the time? It's just the way that I see the world. I see this country. And I see well, Scott, so much is wrong. Scott, the energy you put out is the energy you get back. If you're constantly putting out anger and hatred, that's all you're going to get back. You can't expect well, to. You can't. You can't put out anger and hatred and expect love. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, does it? I want to give you a thought. When I got that call that one hundred ninety thousand dollars was evaporated, yeah, gone. Uh, let's put it this way: it only it reinforced my anti-Semitism. I understand well, you're upset. Then take your claim Scott, to, I, to I, some I, mediator, arbitrator. Or something. I, I spent nine no, years in prison. Gone. That money's gone. I spent nine years in prison, and I'll tell you that I was not the dominant ethnicity there. And I would have had the, the, you know, certainly it changed the way I thought about things. But, you know, keeping the attitudes that one might have based on race, what isn't expeditious, and therefore I change those ideas. They're incorrect and inexpeditious, and I think that that would be the best thing for you. That's just coming from a guy who had racist thoughts in the past. I thank you for the call. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9. Compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP. Features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high visibility three dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9. Another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at Ruger.com slash LC9. Free Talk Live. Take control of the airwaves. All you have to do is call 855-450-FREE. That is our toll-free call-in line brought to you by SACL CAI, 855-450-3733. It's toll-free. You put a one in front of it, and they won't charge you for the call. So, if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, Man Venture Outpost is the place for you. They carry knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, boating equipment. They make it easy for you to find what you're looking for, and they provide it to you cheaply. They're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. You can get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. That's FTL as in Free Talk Live. Get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. And so um, let's go on here. I have a story from Salon.com. Glenn Greenwald, i got to admit, I'm a fan. Yeah, me too. I definitely like what he has to say. Most and of the time. This is entitled, I don't, I don't, I've never seen anything I don't agree with, but I don't have, I read just it. want to cover my butt. Yeah. <laughs> haven't, haven't read everything that he's written. What media coverage omits about U.S. hikers released by Iran. Now, as folks know that there's these, I think it was three, but I only see a picture of two here, um, hikers that were picked up um, along the Iranian-Iraqi border, just kind of hiking, I guess, and they uh, uh, were imprisoned for two years or something. Wow. A long time. Um, by Iran and finally have just been released and, you know, all kinds of countries got into the negotiations to get them out and it's great to see them uh, free. 
And as uh, well, let me go on with the article here. Two American hikers in prison for more than two years by Iran and on extremely dubious espionage charges and highly oppressive conditions. Joshua Fatal and Shane Bauer were released last week and spoke yesterday in Manhattan about their ordeal. Most establishment media accounts in the U.S. have predictably exploited the emotions of the drama as a means of bolstering the U.S. is good, Iran is evil narrative, which is which they reflexively spout. But far more revealing is what these media accounts exclude, beginning with the important and insightful and brave remarks from the released prisoners themselves. Fatal began by recounting the horrible conditions of the prison in which they were held, uh, including being kept virtually all day in a tiny cell alone, hearing other prisoners being beaten. He explained that of everything that was done to them, solitary confinement was the worst experience of all of our lives. Bauer then noted that they were in prison. And by the way, solitary confinement is terrible for the mind. It's really yes, it's difficult to, definitely. Uh, to handle. Bauer then noted that they were in prison due solely to what he called the 32 years of mutually, mutual hostility between America and Iran. And said, the irony is that we oppose U.S. policies towards Iran which perpetuate this hostility. After complaining that the the two court systems they attended were total shams and that they'd been held in almost total isolation, stripped of our rights and freedoms, he explained, in prison every time we complained about our conditions, the guards would remind us of comparable conditions in Guantanamo Bay. They'd remind us of CIA prisons in other parts of the world and conditions that Iranians and others experienced in prison. I, I think they mean other Muslims. Right, right. In U.S. prisons. We do not believe that uh, such human rights violations on the part of our government justify what has been done to us, not for a moment. However, we do believe that these actions on the part of the U.S. provide an excuse for other governments, including the government of Iran, to act in kind. Oh, my God. Blowback. No and way. It's exactly what no it, way. it's all about. Come on. And Americans. But we're in the United States. We get a free pass, man. Look <laughs> at right. these bombs. Look at these. They're, right. they're good bombs. That's exactly yeah. it. Like, uh, you know, the, the I'm, I'm, uh, I've <laughs> got to say that whether you think what the United States does abroad is fair and just or not, the, the point is that it can be interpreted yes. by other people. And I think it's not fair and not just. That's right. It's not okay to just kidnap people and stick them in jail and torture them. And that's what's going on. And if you say, well, the United States doesn't torture. Well, look, if you pay Poland or Egypt or uh, uh, you know just a variety of other countries out there, there are dozens of other countries out there to do your torturing for you. That doesn't mean you're not a torturer. Right. If I pay somebody to kill somebody for me, I'm still going to prison for murder because I I'm a murderer. Yeah, that's right. So if the United States government pays other governments to torture for them and then they come up with stupid information like there's yellow cake in Iraq, which is exactly what happened with Egypt. Yep. They paid Egyptian people to uh, – Egyptian the Egyptian government to torture this fella. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And they came back with this information. There's yellow cake in Iraq. And these trillions of dollars on these foreign wars, some of them can be explained you know, via the torture. Yeah. And so you're, you're not absolved of that if you do not denounce it. You can denounce it. And then as far as I'm concerned, at, at the largest part of your guilt in the situation is absolved because you don't support it. And you're giving the government money because, well, they'll take your home and your well, it all it all comes back you. to the standard United States operating procedure, which is we can we have more rights than anyone else. It's the it's the same idea that the United States police officers and the bureaucrats think it, it permeates through through the the governmental structure is that we are special. We are a class. We're above doing it for the right you. reason. Yes, we are. We are the world police. We're exceptional. Yes, exactly. And and you 
ought to respect us and give us that that respect of being able to have more rights than you because we need to do our jobs. Okay, listen, we keep the world safe. Yep. And and if you can't handle that, well. <laughs> You there are walls in, in this world, and we need men on those walls. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. that is what it all boils down to. And the arrogance. The, this, is, this is what can happen. This is what's going to happen, is other countries are going to say, well, look, I'm sick and tired of the way they treat us, so we're going to treat them that way. Now, I understand these boys didn't have anything to do with United States foreign policy. And the same is true of the folks who were killed in the World Trade Center on 9-11. They didn't right. have anything of to course. do with foreign policy. However, when you, you know, when, when these other nations, these other people around the world, they make the same generalizations that many Americans do. Yeah. Well, they're, they're is, human those beings. Those people over there yeah. are bad. Right, exactly. So the, the Americans that you experience on your daily basis, the listener, wherever you are, they're the same. They're they're the same human being that that lives in other parts of the world. Just because there's a different language or different culture, that human beings have certain things they all do. They all complain about things that they have no control over. But the Muslims want to kill everybody right. who ain't no Muslim. And they all they all regurgitate the rumor mill that comes around because, well, let's say most people don't research their own you know due due diligence behind a news story or or find their own facts or sources. No, they just take whatever's given to them and regurgitate it. So the, the same way you have people in America standing around the water cooler talking about how the government sucks and, you know, uh, towelhead this and that and, and all the, the slurs that, that they same can utter, thing, yeah. the same thing happens in other countries. It's just the, you know, just to put right. it this way. Now, now imagine if... If it's not happening largely in Switzerland, I'd like to point out, because they don't get involved in other people's foreign policy. Right. You know, I mean, that's... Eh, you know, We're just going to make good food and, and beverages and stuff. <laughs> not sure exactly what they're doing what they over do. in Switzerland, but, but I know that they're largely not messing with folks. And if you want to not be messed with, then you need to not mess with other people. I think as America's sort of standing is, is continually degrading with the dollar collapse or the dollar decline, whatever it is, you're going to see more and more of this. More countries are going to come out and say, listen, the United States did this, this, and that to us. So you know what? Screw you guys. We're not going to do this. Or, you know, there's, there's going to be excuses. Well, that's what the United States does, and we're kind of sick of it. And so that's why we're treating you like this. So maybe, you know, other situations where people are captured and, and detained for periods of time. Yeah, well, you know what? The United States set the tone. They, they started this trend of, of creating these, these secret black prisons all over the world and, and detaining people with no, no sort of warrant or sure. procedure or anything. Just because someone said something and he's got brown skin— Take him away. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's all just a, a symptom of the essentially empire building. I mean, I understand some people will say, well, it's not an empire. It's not like our country's growing. That much is true. It's a different sort of empire. Um, they're creating sort of puppet states and yes, things like that. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't see who would claim that uh, Pakistan isn't being paid off for its cooperation. I mean, folks know that, that there's a good faction of the Pakistani government that does not like the United States. Well, the foreign policy is planting seeds of resentment, and maybe those seeds haven't sprouted yet, but they will. And, and they they're, they're all times. over the, yeah. the world in all different kinds of, of facets of life and types of people and situations. So the, the amount of anger that's going to be directed towards this government and perhaps misplaced towards the people itself 
is is just going to increase as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, you know, as as you as everybody keeps reacting to the last thing that the other bad guy did, then all you're going to have is more violence. Yeah. And that's how it goes. Right. Look, I understand you can point to things that Muslims have done that are bad, but that doesn't mean you go after other Muslims. If there's criminal activity by one person, you don't go after people that are like them. If a black guy commits crime, you do not incarcerate all the black people. Right. And essentially, there has been, you know, all kinds of uh, of uh, bigotry against the the middle uh, the Middle Easterners in general. And the idea the United States can just, well, essentially control their land is ludicrous. You yeah. need to leave those people alone. Let Israel fend for itself. It can handle it over there. Stop giving foreign aid to these countries. And exactly, you know, that's that will solve these problems. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. It'll take a while to solve it, but it will. When the power goes out for any length of time, you've got problems, starting with food that's going bad, even in the freezer. No communications, living by candlelight or flashlight. It's a bad place to be. The solar flare cycle is heating up and has already done damage to the grid. NASA and NOAA tell us that next year and in 2013, it will take down large sections of the grid for days or weeks at a time. Hurricanes and floods also cut power for several days or weeks. You can protect yourself now. The SG-1 solar generator by Sound Wisdom produces 5,000 watts of household current, comes with 230 amp hours of battery, 220 watt solar panels, and a built-in battery maintainer desulfator. This is the only portable system you can add as many batteries or solar panels as you like. It will also convert power from windmills, water wheels, DC welders, or gas generators, any source of 12-volt DC power. See it now at freetalklivesolar.com. Technicians are standing by now to answer your questions even during the Sunday night show. freetalklivesolar.com. Listening to Free Talk Live! Seiko CAI toll free line is 855 450 free 3733. This is JJ sitting in the chair and Mark. All right, we're going to switch here. Are we back that quick? 855 450 free. Give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. 855 450 Now, this. Next article that we have, I have prepared for, it is just for me. It is so strange and bizarre, but to me speaks to the hubris and <laughs> voracious appetite of those that are in charge. And not, not today, this is, a, this is a historical article, but it does show just how little Americans know about sort of what's going on behind the scenes. This is an article from DailyMail.co.uk. Strangely, hmm, no, not a U.S. source for this one. Interesting how that works. Yeah, funny. Apparently, there was a plan in the 1930s, in 1930, to attack Britain and ma- mainly Canada wow. from the United States. Details of an amazing military, American military plan for attack to, to wipe out a major part of the British Army are today revealed for the first time. In 1930, a mere nine years before the outbreak of World War II, 
America drew up proposals specifically aimed at eliminating all British land forces in Canada and the North Atlantic, thus destroying Britain's trading ability and bringing the country to its knees. Previously unparalleled troop movements were launched, launched, launched. Wow. This happened, people. As in execute. Yes, as an overture to an invasion of Canada, which was to include massive bombing raids on key industrial targets and use of chemical weapons. The latter signed off at the highest level by none other than the legendary General Douglas MacArthur. Mark, I I was... You know, I was raised through public schooling to believe that America was always righteous and they were always doing the right thing. And I mean, they like saved the world with World War Two and, and like World War One. And like, um, like school taught me that America's the good guys. Mark, what's going on? Well, I, you know, I, I the good guys are whomever you think they are. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so different countries have their own agendas, and people in those countries believe or don't believe in those agendas. A lot of people do believe them. It's easy to believe in them. Um, you know, there's a lot of propaganda in that direction the fact is that uh, you know when when people get in power they come up with these ideas these cockamamie plans and they say oh well you know i can execute this i can go ahead and make this happen because yeah, they can that that sounds so insane though why canada i mean blame canada <laughs> blame canada <laughs> the, well at the time canada was the great was great britain so, 1930s you're saying this and, is and early this, yeah and, and great britain you know was the largest empire on the planet and the united states was mad because we didn't get treated right in world war 1 we should have been we should have gotten a bigger slice of the pie that mm. was really the idea wow the plans revealed by a channel 5 documentary were one of a, a number of military contingency plans drawn up against a number of potential enemies, including Caribbean islands and China. It's sort of by a the, United States. the United States was you know, planning all kinds of military attacks in 1930. There was even one, com, uh, one to combat an internal uprising within, within the United States. No doubt, I'm sure they've still got those. In the end, there was no question um, of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's subscribing to what is known as War Plan Red. Instead of the two countries becoming the firmest of allies, instead they became the firmest of allies in World War II, an occasionally strained alliance that continues to this day. Still, it's fascinating that there were enough people inside the American political and military establishment who thought that such a war was feasible. And it was feasible. I mean, there's not that many people that live in in Canada. Absolutely, the United States could have rolled across the border. The United States, I believe, has attacked Canada three times. Wow. So, I mean, you know, there's nothing unusual about the United States attacking Canada. It's just what's amazing is that Canada is so cool about it. You know, what's what's more amazing, I think, is the idea that our current sort of foreign policy paradigm puts the United States as an imperialistic power, sort of an empiristic, uh, we're seeking to grab more land, have more bases, have more control, project our power. But this... The, this... the, the, the proper term that they use apparently is um, hegemon. Oh, okay. Which is kind of a made-up term of you know exactly what's going on. So empire is somewhat un- inaccurate, but it basically is true. Right. Uh, so this this article here, and and just judging by what's happened in the past, it, it would make it seem like the United States has always been this way. It has always been about seeking more power and sh- you know just taking more land away from people, projecting themselves into foreign nations, uh, intervening in areas that. They ought not be. So it's it just seems to me like the idea of the republic had died a long, long time ago, and and the idea of the imperial march is more, I guess, modern. I don't think the idea of a republic is a feasible idea. I think it may be a step along the way to freedom. 
okay. from feudalism, and which is a step from sort of the master-slave uh, relationship, a step up from the master-slave relationship. Sort of like an evolutionary ups- upgrade. It may very well be, but, um, you know, and, and maybe not. But, you know, the, it could be that a republic is a step along the way to freedom. But the idea that you're going to elect people that are going to handle, um, you know, state secrets, and then they're going to pass down the state secrets that you need to know in order to make a good decision, and that good decision may be to kick them out of office, is absolutely the stupidest thing that, you know, somebody could Certainly. possibly believe. Certainly. So this goes on. In 1931, the U.S. government authorized a record-breaking transatlantic flight hero known as uh, known Nazi sympathizer Charles Lindbergh to be sent covertly as a spy to the west shore of the Hudson Bay to investigate the possibility of using seaplanes for warfare and seek out points of low resistance as potential bridgeheads. Four years later, the U.S. Congress authorized $57 million be allocated for the building of three Secret airfields on the U.S. side of the Canadian border. Ladies and gentlemen, this was this wasn't some cockamamie scheme that somebody came up with and was finally and was shot down. This was happening. Right. They were uh, planning to attack Canada in 1930. It sounds very involved. Many different sort of uh, strategies and tactics and, and weapons. Even these secret airfields on the U.S. side of the Canadian border, they would be grassed over landing strips to hide their real purpose. Oh, we're just growing grass out here. No big deal. <laughs> all, right. all governments make worst-case scenario contingency plans, which are kept under wraps from the public. These documents were unearthed, buried deep in the American National Archives in Washington, D.C., a top-secret document once regarded as the most sensitive on Earth. It darn sure should have been. It was in 1930 that America first wrote a plan for the, the war with the Red Empire. It's most dangerous empire, but America's foe was not Russia or Japan or even the burgeoning uh, Nazi Germany. Red Plan was a code for an apocalyptic war with Great Britain and all her domains. Wow. Yeah. Greedy. Uh, doesn't this teach you, doesn't this teach you, Mark, that when you place so much power in the hands of such a arrogant and prideful bunch of individuals, like armies you place into their hands and just funding for everything they want, they will come up with ways to use those destructive powers regardless of whether they're needed or not. It it tells me that, and it also tells me that these uh, people are always like, oh, we had to fight that war. If we had to drop them bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, we'd have little slanty-eyed children and we'd all be overrun. No, no. (laughs) Look, here's a war that was proposed that didn't happen. And somehow we live on. The fact is that you don't know, know, getting in war with, uh, with Nazi Germany... I, you know, if if we hadn't have gotten a World War One, there would have been no World War Two in the first place. Right. Is, is my proposal, and many yes. historians agree with me. And and there wouldn't have been this proposal at all. But the fact is, wars are just old men talking and young men dying. Yes. If you think that somehow they make the world better, largely you are mistaken. There may be that war or two that's the just war. I might I might be able to side with you on that. But the fact is, what I generally see mostly see is that war is a terrible solution because people will agree with it because they think oh yeah this is the just war however the chances of it being the just war are about one and i don't know a hundred well you could justify a war in your mind that doesn't make it just yeah and it certainly doesn't ju- make it just taking my money to do it no if you want to uh you want to go fight your own little war then take your money and your friends and go do it don't exactly. don't don't demand that i fight it with you You think war is the answer? Tell me the just war. 
855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency, and it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Talk about what you want to talk about. 855-450-3733. Check out the archives. Free Talk Live has archives going back for five years for free for you. Go get them at archives.freetalklive.com. The last seven days are right on the front page of the website. And there's five years worth going back at archives.freetalklive.com. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was, too, for many years. You know, they're not good for your health, right? There's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com's e-cigarette. A -a pack-a-day smoker will save about $120 a month just by switching to the e-cigarette. Plus, no more ashtray mouth, no more smoke smell hanging in your clothes, no more second-hand smoke for your kids in the car. And you can do it just about anywhere. No more standing out in the snow to smoke. Free shipping. Um, they will give you free shipping on orders over $60, and you can get a free starter kit. So what's your excuse? A free starter kit is all you have to do is buy 40 cartomizers. Those are the things that contain the nicotine that go at the end of the e-cigarette with coupon code FTL. Go to Vaporsmiths.com or call 855-2-GET-VAPOR. Again, Vaporsmiths.com, 855-2-GET-VAPOR. Let's go to Leo in Oregon. Leo. Hi, how's it going? All's You're well. Right. Uh, what's on your mind? Well, um, I applied for a passport uh, in May. I had a, a great opportunity. Uh, it was really the opportunity of a lifetime. My first cousin who grew up with us, who's my brother, was getting married, and my real my hold on. Your first cousin grew up. Uh, your first cousin is your brother. Is that what you just said to me? No, he he grew up with us, so he's like a brother to us. Gotcha. Understood. And, and he's getting married, and my brother offered to fly me and my daughter to France okay. for the wedding. And I haven't seen them in like four or five years. And so I said, no problem. And I called, and I found out, you know, I had about, I was about 45 days out, and I talked to the passport office. They said, you can do it. If you expedite it, it'll cost you a little more, but, you know, you can get it going. So I pay like 350 bucks to yep. get my both of our passports expedited. You get all the paperwork and the birth certificates. Right. And, um, you know, while we're at the, um, and it, it was, uh, my my daughter's mother and I are separated. Okay. So, so sometimes there's a little, there's a little uh, protest on my daughter's part when we do the exchange, you know, every week. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one of those moments where she was in good spirits and everything, but she, she wanted to be with mom that day. So... At the passport office, she said, oh, you know, well, you know, we had wrapped everything up and we were about to leave. And she said, well, that's my, my that's my mom, but that's not my dad or, you know, something like that. And so I guess that that prompted one of the gals there. That was like a red flag or something. Sure. She noticed, 
You're kidnapping this little girl and taking her to Barbados. Oh, no. You're going to sell her as a slave. I never got my passport on time. I never knew why. I called and called, and all they could tell me was it was still processing. Uh I ended up up going, I taking a vacation anyway, and we had a great time. I took her to, like, the zoo and all kind of stuff. So, uh, but, you know, I mean, I see pictures of my... My my two my two sisters my new sister you know my cousin's new wife and my brother at the wedding and, and you know I, I think of all the nieces and nephews that Cadence could have met and, and it just and you know they're still dragging their feet and that you know they they talk to they talk to uh, Katie who's my and she said no he's a good dad he wouldn't do that and you know they I had a couple of State Department guys come to my apartment and like flash their badges and that was kind of unnerving, you know. Sure, sure. Just that, and and so I you know, I said and then they they explained to me, yeah, well, when she said that then red flags went up and we kinda have to treat it like the TSA would react to somebody saying bomb. Yeah, yeah. And and so I can it sounds reasonable, but it's just still it's kind of unnerving that I've been in the system now for like six months. And I've talked to a couple, you know, I talked to the office in Portland that's holding it, and they said that was about a month ago. They said this agent said, yeah, when when I send it off, it goes to yet even another office, and it'll take about them another two months to get it to you. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering if I should get, like, a copy of this report. I mean, I know there's nothing wrong with me. I know that, you know, I'm not a kidnapper, and I know that everything's perfectly fine, and I want to get my passport, you know, so... But um, you know, I also don't want to be on the State Department's crap list, right? And so, you know, so I don't. I, you know, what's your take on that? Do you guys have any experience with that kind of stuff? I, I don't have any experience with it, but um, I you know, I mean, just just a guy on the radio, and um, certainly not an expert in in passports. But I, I kind of. You know, I mean, like the government, it would seem like they would have to do something if they, you know, get if if in some situation they're dealing with a, you know, a, a child that's like kicking and screaming and doesn't want to go or something like that, saying this isn't my daddy. Like I can see the, I can see the absurd end of this situation, um, and if they if they didn't react, then they'd be called uh, useless, shiftless bureaucrats that can't do their job. In this case. Uh, you know, they react to one, uh, you know, a one offhand comment from a little girl and they're useless, shiftless bureaucrats that can't do their jobs. I mean, maybe what they should have done, done is taken you guys into an office and talked and, you know, talked to the little girl about yeah. what, what their you know, question I- was or whatever. But I mean, you know, so the, the the bureaucrat handled it probably in whatever way she had to handle it, and since it's a bureaucracy, it's an inefficient way yes. to, to handle it. There's no doubt. I'm not going to sit around and defend the behavior, the behavior, but I can kind of defend the concern, as it were. Um, but not how they go about enforcing the concern. I, I think um, this might be something to do with the new DHS, the, the new that the since the Patriot Act came through, there are there are new regulations for everything from opening a bank account to uh, you know any sort of uh, big purchases and whatnot as far as as loans and, and there are what yeah what's that that's what concerns me that's what concerns me is that the whole the whole new because like you said I mean I think and you know I mean the gal could have just said hey what because it's not like she wasn't kicking as a matter of fact right. she was jumping up on me and laughing and playing 
Well, I think I think it doesn't have anything to do with that gal that did that. What what she probably did is is by entering you into this new category of red flagging you, you were then had to go through other bureaucracies. Instead of just going through the passport agency and maybe the State Department, you now have to go through the DHS and, and through um, whatever sort of uh, checking or profiling system they have as far as that's c- concerned. And it's it's very possible that you're just simply going to have to wait or file some sort of, of uh, paperwork that, that requests it to be, you know, expedited or, or, you know, there's there's probably, you can probably file some paperwork to help you get it faster, but unfortunately, the bureaucracy is what it is. It's going to be slow and inefficient no matter what, and I think you're just going to end up having to wait. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to do any any do yourself any good by trying to track down government paperwork or anything like that. You know, might distract. Give me you, my file. Um, you know, I I don't well, think that's going to do know, anything good. I actually feel better just talking to you guys about it because I was kind of just sitting over here worrying in the corner by myself. And uh, you know, I've had another question that I wanted to throw out there for months. Do I have time for one? Uh, go right ahead. Well, you know, I know uh, through listening to, uh, you know, other people on Genesis about, you know, uh, the Google, like, you know, how Google has a contract with the government and all your emails and stuff like that. And, and I have two accounts, and I'm just wanting to, like... Uh, okay. Leo, uh, hold the line. Uh, something's going on with the audio here. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453-free. It's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Call us on Free Talk Live. You've probably been hearing us talk about Bitcoins for a while now, but maybe you didn't know how you could get them. There's an easy way. You can get Bitcoins by depositing cash at thousands of banking locations across the U.S., including Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Once you have your Bitcoins, you can use them to pay anyone in the world with no transaction fees or third parties getting involved, completely anonymously. It works just like a person-to-person cash transaction, but you can do it over the Internet. To learn more, visit ExchangeBitcoins.com. Again, it's ExchangeBitcoins.com. If you want to learn more about Bitcoins, it's WeUseCoins.org. Let's go to Ashley in PEI. Ashley. Hello. What can I do for you? At Porkfest, you mentioned that you had uh, given money to uh, microfinancing uh, services. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've uh, I've donated through Kiva, which is uh, you know it's 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 a um, it's a satisfying way to uh, give little loans to people around the world where dollars make a heck of a lot more uh, impact in their lives than they do in mine. I mean, you can I think donate as few as twenty five dollars, um, and you know. To, to these folks and 25 bucks i mean this could be this could be the difference between starting a business and uh you know scratching uh, living out of the earth 
Uh, do you get any feedback on what the money's used for or anything like that? Yeah, they always tell you uh, what they want to borrow it for, and there are usually these sort of uh, what, NGOs, non-government organizations that kind of expedite people in, say, Zimbabwe or Peru, who, um, you know, their language skills aren't going to be, uh, you know, they can't speak English, they probably can't write terribly well, so they need somebody in the middle to help out. Okay, so you're the one who specifically chooses who you give the money to? Yep. I didn't realize. K-I-V-A dot O-R-G. Fantastic. Yep. Thanks, Mark. There's a Free State Project group there, um, so you can uh, ally with them, and I, I don't give some kind of credit or something like that, and I've done that. Thanks for the call. Ashley? Thanks, bye. Yep. 855 450 free. I think it's a great thing. Um, I'm not a big fan of just giving money. I understand some people need some people need money, no doubt. Um, and I do give to not for profit organizations and stuff like that. But I like the idea of loaning money out, especially to people in other countries where my dollars can do much more. I'm you know, I don't have a bunch of money to loan out. Right. People may think that I'm a wealthy guy because I'm on the radio. Nope, no such luck. Free Talk Live is a startup operation run by two guys, and it is more a labor of love than it is right. a uh, uh, you know a big money maker. My own personal sort of uh, philosophy around this is sort of to start start charity at home. That's my that's how I view things. Help the, help the people around me in my neighborhood or my community first. Although I do see the idea of micro loans to countries I want to do both. Where, where well and i've i've gone to countries and spent money where mm-hmm. the dollar was 2 to 1 where i, I you know i had, everything was pretty much half price as far as as my my american dollars mm-hmm. were spent and i could see places that was that were even better than that so where where as you said 25 dollars might be you know 150 dollars in their their currency or even more and um that can definitely help out in, in industries in, in other countries and and I think also making making the world better place, especially in, in areas where there is you know depression and third country sort of regimes and whatnot, is is a great way to change because that's you're bringing up your lowest common denominator is is definitely going to have an effect on the whole the whole equation. Let's go to Nick in Illinois. Nick, hi. You know, if your father dies and then your father's brother marries your mother and they have a kid, then you'd have a cousin who's also your brother. There you go. It could happen. There's a song, there's a funny little song out there where uh, it talks about uh, my 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 son as my grandfather or something like that, and it's extraordinarily funny. Earlier, you were talking about protesters blocking the street. I didn't catch the entire conversation clearly, but it sounds like JJ, you're sympathetic to the to the idea of blocking the street to get people's attention. Is that right? I don't. I didn't specify whether I was sympathetic or not. I simply stated what their intentions were. I think maybe someone on a previous night has uh, expressed such sympathies. I but, think uh, when- callers have. I, I, th- I think that I don't know that anybody has uh, on, on Free Talk Live has actually come out and said, yes, street blocking is a good idea. Ah, okay. Except maybe Ian, who uh, will, will, <laughs> will uh, has in the past advocated for every kind of uh, uh, civil disobedience uh, known to man, including spreading peanut butter all over yourself, rolling in Rice Krispies and running down the street well, I yelling see, for liberty. Like like if there was uh, like a bus full of people that they were taken away that was unjustly uh, captured in cage and, and you were simply blocking a street. Now that's a different story. That, <laughs> yes. Well, it's a case-by-case basis. Yep. And, and I think anybody who makes... You know, well, most people who make absolute statements are wrong. So to say that it's always wrong to yeah, see how I corrected that there. Say, see how, say how it's always wrong to block the street. Generalizations are always wrong. JJ, go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> go. go ahead, man. Uh, now that's what I was getting to is about um, 
the idea that it is civil civil disobedience to block traffic to just to get people's attention. Uh, because civil disobedience is the idea that good people disobey bad laws, meaning that you disobey as a means of showing that you don't consent to being ruled by that law. Blocking traffic is not civil disobedience unless what you're protesting are laws against people blocking traffic. Right. Of course, you're technically right, of course. But well, I you think could what... be protesting the—I um, th- I think you could ma- be making a case that you're protesting against the public ownership of roads by blocking streets. You could be trying to make the point that, hey, I've got just as much of a right to be in this road because they charge me taxes to pay for it as you do in your little vehicle. I've never seen anyone actually do that. No, I don't think it's safe. I could see I could see a, a, another valid blocking the street, like like uh, blocking uh, whatever the uh, the armament manufacturers and and whatnot that make war. Those machines. are kind of driveways, though. Yeah, well, if they're on a street and blocking that street, you know, stopping those war machines from killing more brown people, heck yeah, go do that. That's great. Yeah, I'm all for that. Well, so, aside from cases like that, though, when I see or hear, well, about- no, 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 wait, you're you're missing it though, because these financial terrorists on Wall Street are doing that to other countries. Do you think what's happening in Greece is, is anything good? The austerity measures that are being inflicted upon those people because the banking cartels basically raped Greece? You think that? I mean, that yes, has a big but, part to do with what's going so, on in Wall Street. But this story that we were hearing was a, an impromptu parade that was going around New York City. And not everybody in New York City is a terrorist, a financial I, terrorist I, I on Wall completely Street. completely agree. I completely agree. Well, I mean, what I think, you know, when I get stopped by, by something like that, is that what I feel that the that the protesters are saying is, uh, hey, all you uninvolved people who are just trying to go about your day, I'm going to force you to pay attention to my pet issue by physically impeding your freedom of movement because Sounds my right. needs and desires supersede yours. I saw that on a sign, sure. in fact. Sure. What? I saw that just that exact statement that you said on yeah. the sign. That's the whole my supersede and impeding and that thing. It was right. on there. <laughs> a lot of the protesters. That's what their intention is, and that's that's what they're doing. So. I'm not justifying any of these individuals because I'd, very have, big I'd have to see the situation in order to justify anything. But um, I think there is sort of qualities. And there is there is something to be said about, like, okay, what about you're going through TSA and someone wants to challenge the pat-down, so they make this big stink and slows everybody else yep. down. Your inconvenience for someone standing up for their rights, I think your inconvenience is totally justified. And I don't feel anything bad about you being late for your anything. Because, listen, someone's going to have to stand up for the rights. Someone's going to have to take that time, go to jail, fight the court case, so that there isn't this uh, barbaric, you know, Fourth Amendment sort of atrocities being uh, perpetrated. So, yeah, you know what? Inconvenience is part of the process. That, that's your, your burden as part of enjoying the liberties that you have is to, to suffer the inconvenience of individuals standing up for those liberties. I don't know about the case of the TSA, but when it comes to the roads, I have little sympathy and usually it just makes me angry at those people and their cause okay you can be angry if that's the emotion you want to have i'm just saying it's well uh, i mean they have to take responsibility for emotion that they um that you know the the emotions that people get too i'm not i don't i don't get angry when someone cuts me off in traffic well you can choose you can choose because why use your emotions to some extent but what positive or productive can can i accomplish by letting someone else make me angry for cutting me off or or uh, stopping quickly or honking at me no there's no positive that's very zen however if you uh, choose to block a roadway and some people get angry at you i think to some extent, the responsibility for that anger lies with you, the road stopper, sure. not the people that are yelling. I, yeah, I, I, it takes two to tango. I can agree with that. Yeah, but in the case of the TSA, it's different because really it's the TSA that's holding everyone up with their rules. 
Whereas, you know, when you're standing Most up, people don't see it that way. No. Nick, I do appreciate the call. Okay. 855-450-FREE. SACL toll-free call in line. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the porcupine realtor do you want a home with 20 acres a lakeside cabin any takers for renters buyers and sellers too mark warden is the guy for you porcupinerealtor.com Five four fifty free. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on Free Talk Live eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of oppre- of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? If you knew that thousands of liberty loving people were all moving to the same state to get active, would you want to join them? You can. Join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. Go over there, sign up, state your intention to move to the Free State, and then go about planning your life to move here. It's freestateproject.org. I moved in 2006. JJ, when did you move? 2007. It, you know, frankly, this is home now, um, and we uh, the, United, the the Free State Project has had a huge effect on politics inside of New Hampshire. Uh, politics, I guess I should say. Life, uh, because there's all kinds of different activism going on, media, uh, you know, civil disobedience, politics, all kinds of activism. It's freestateproject.org. You can give us a call at 855-450-3733. JJ, we were on a story that uh, we got interrupted a little bit on. Is this the Iran one again? No, this is the invading um, Canada. (laughs) And like I said, this story is just for me because I find it to be so gosh darn interesting. So this is the explanation as to why this was going on. Um, This is from DailyMail.co.uk. After the 1918 armistice from World War I, throughout the 1920s, America's historic anti-British feelings handed down from the 19th century were running dangerously high due to our, and this is um, the Great Britain, this is obviously written uh, by a British author, our owing the U.S. nine billion pounds for their intervention in the Great War. British feelings against America was uh, known to be reciprocal. So by the 1930s, America saw the disturbing sight of homegrown Nazi sympathizers marching down New York's Park Avenue to uh, converge on a pro-Hitler rally in Madison Square Garden. Across the Atlantic, Britain had the largest empire in the world, not to mention the most powerful navy. Against this backdrop, some Americans saw their nation emerging as a potential world leader and new only too well how Britain had dealt with such upstarts in the past and went to war and it quashed them. Now, America saw itself as an underdog in a similar scenario. In 1935, America staged its largest ever military maneuvers, moving troops to and installing munitions dumps at Fort Drum, half an hour away from the eastern Canadian border. There were all kinds of things done um, that were basically a plan for an attack on Canada. And I find this just 
stunning that this was going on in well, 1930. Well, you know, Mark, I think we need to take care of that Canadian menace. <laughs> the Canadian, the red menace, the it, red horde. Well, let's not, how about the green menace? Because they're not very red. I mean, there's a lot of trees, they, they do logging. They have and, a red flag. You know, they smoke a lot of dope up there in Canada, and I think that that's, that's their big problem Tommy right there. smoke dope. Yeah. Let's go to the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Well, G- hello. How are you? Greetings. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Ian behind his back. Can I do that? Sure. <laughs> Mark does it all the time. Is that allowed? I know he's not there to defend himself. Well, I'll, I'll defend him if I feel it's necessary, <laughs> or I'll agree with you if I think you're right. <laughs> we know we know what he would say anyway. We, he's pretty predictable. He is a predictable um, guy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, I sent Ian a subscription to the American Free Press, which I told him is a great newspaper. It has alternative news, and it has stuff in there. Uh, I've been list- reading these this paper for over 30 years, and I always learn about the dirt on government first from the American Free Press. Okay. But, but anyway, I sent him a subscription. While he was in jail? Him, while he's in jail, we're on day 51 of the Ian Freeman incarceration yeah, count-up. And, and I just got a letter from him today saying he got the first issue, and he told me why he didn't like it, so I want to go over. You know, I told him there was going to be conspiracy stuff in there. I said, well, you can just, you know, gloss over this conspiracy stuff, because I know you don't like that, but there's a lot of other good information in this uh, in this paper. So... He said, the first thing he noticed was, on page two, there were there was an article about how 100% of the rapes in D.C. are caused by non-whites. Well, I pulled the newspaper out and I looked at it. And it didn't say that at all. It was a one-paragraph thing that said that 100% of the rapes in Oslo, Norway, were by non-whites. And, you know, uh, Oslo, Norway, of course, is... Nowhere uh, near D.C., no. Yeah, it's not D.C. It's a totally different culture, and uh, it's a statistic. I mean, I, I don't know how you can argue with it It's unless you can prove that the statistic is lo- wrong. But according to the published numbers for five years in a row in Oslo, Norway, uh, 100% of the rapes were caused by non-whites. Well, there may have only been five rapes a year. I don't know what the statistics are for Oslo, Norway. Well, it would only take one rape by a non-white per year to be 100%. Yeah, yeah if there's no other rape, yeah, sure. What's the, right. what's well, the point here? So, yeah, the, 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 I guess, you know, the point that I would have there is I I think that there are statistics that are not useful. And that would be that, um, you know, ones like this, I don't think that, are, you know, if you're talking about the United States, I don't really care about ones in Oslo, Norway. It doesn't really matter to me. But, um, on the phone! It, it um, Gene's on the phone. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but you know that these these numbers where you say, oh well, this ethnic group or that ethnic group or ethnic groups in general are oh, more yeah. likely to and, commit crime, and I just don't think they're useful. Yeah. Well, I agree. It, it was just a tidbit. It was yep. a one paragraph yep. thing. You could take it or leave it, and uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't pushing any particular view. It was just a factoid. And uh, then he said, oh, and in the back there's an advertisement for a white supremacy group. And well, yeah, there is an advertisement back there. But I thought Ian was interested in free speech. And if you want free speech, you're going to have to put up with speech that's not popular. Well, you so, don't... No, 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 no. You, you don't... You, you do have to say that, okay, people have a right to say what they want. That doesn't mean that you have to put up with it in that you have to subscribe to that uh, that organization that puts that speech out, or you have to pay for anything but, that, that puts the speech out, or you have to listen to anything that has that speech right. in it. And all it is is an ad in the back for... Uh, a group of white people that want to get together. Well, if it was a ad in the back for a group of black people that wanted to put out a, a newspaper or whatever, there would be no word at all. 
Nobody would say anything. I that that much is true. Is that you'll often okay. find uh, that so, you know that so ethnic groups get, get a pass where whites don't. Black people. What's that? White people have the same rights as black people. If they want to put out a publication that says, "Hey, us white folk want to get together and talk about being white," well, that's their business. Yeah, you yeah. know, I I tend tend oh, to dislike all organizations that are put to you know t- are put together based on ethnicity. It bothers well, me. All rights got, are derived with the individual. Period. Yeah, I got news for you. My wife's Chinese, and guess what? They got a Chinese community in Memphis that gets together. Are you going to say, "Oh gosh, those damn Chinese"? If you're talking about a small group, it doesn't really matter to me as much because they don't have any effect. But often when you're talking about larger groups, you're you're, you're saying it's it's the us and them scenario that gets together. It's one thing if you're saying, hey, I like this food and I like, you know, I'd like to talk about, you know, this 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 area and stuff like that. But it's another thing entirely if you're saying, oh, those other people, they're bad. I I guarantee you it's a small group. And if you want. So uh, hold on, hold on. Can we go back? Can we go back to the the original topic that you brought up? You're you're saying that Ian reacted in a way that you didn't really like towards this this thing that you subscribed him to. This, uh, oh, I don't care how he reacted. No, 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 I no. Didn't no. Say I no don't like I, it. I'm just asking the question, and the, and the answer, I guess, is yes. Now, what I have to say to that is simply no, that I'm just answering. I'm call, I'm calling in to answer his objections. That's all. Okay. I'm doing. Okay. I'm just saying from my own personal experience with Ian, he does sort of react. Very strongly towards uh, bigoted messages. He, Anything that he sees yes, that way, he and does, I, and he, I, he I does have, not tolerate it. I tend to agree, and here's the reason why, um, Gene, is because the um, the the liberty, the liberty movement has been um, in, in the past, and and often will get. Just they'll just paint you with this bigot brush because oh well they're racist. Why? Because they don't want to answer questions about liberty they want to just dismiss what we have to say and the easiest way to do it is to dismiss uh you know because there have there have been some crossovers in the past i mean people who you know the liberty folks have a tolerance for certain types of messages and some of those messages in the past have been uh, bigoted messages and you know ian and frankly i don't have much room for them ron paul gets stuck with the same kind of crap and he has a good way of of dealing with it. He just ignores it and it goes away because it doesn't stick and it doesn't last. Well, Ron Paul as a politician has um, for one in you know when you're talking about 20 years ago there's some there are there are some strong ties to bigoted statements um you know between Ron and those statements. I'm not saying that he's made them but he has been, he was closely tied to I mean they're not just the things that came out in Texas straight talk but there was a lot of stuff out there uh, associated with him. Can a man well, change? One, Absolutely he can. Thing, but the one thing that Ron Paul can do to uh, mitigate this if he wants if it ever comes up in the election is hey get a picture of ron paul kissing a black baby and then you've got that uh, that whole thing is is taken care of well you know i've ascribed to the fact that there are differences in the races and i've called in on this in the past and it's just silly to me to say there are no differences i think there are no races yeah, I think well, there's human beings and individuals. Yeah, try and play basketball and see how well you do, okay? I understand <laughs> the point. I just don't. I think that races are self assigned and scientifically insignificant. Thank you, Gene. Appreciate the call. 855 450 3733. Free Talk Live. And now it's time for the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute with tips and advice on controlling your emotions so they don't control you. Here's New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer. Possibly one of the most difficult habits to form is to learn to think before we speak. 
in our mouth sometimes reminds me of a wild animal. You know, we just open it and out flies all these things that later we think, oh, I didn't mean to say that or I wish I wouldn't have said that. We need to learn how to think before we speak. And that can only happen if we slow down in life a little bit. I think today we move so fast and, and things are just happening so fast in our life that we say a lot of things without thinking. Sometimes the best thing we can do is say nothing at all. You know, we talk about the power of words, but there's actually sometimes great power in speaking no words. You may need to talk about a problem, but choose to even talk about your problems in a positive and a hopeful way. For the Living Beyond Your Feelings Radio Minute, I'm Joyce Meyer. For more information to help you control your own emotions so they don't control you, please visit Joyce Meyer. That's M-E-Y-E-R dot org. The average person has 70,000 thoughts every day, and many of those thoughts trigger a corresponding emotion. In Living Beyond Your Feelings, Joyce Meyer examines the gamut of feelings that human beings experience. She discusses the way that the brain processes and stores memories and thoughts. Then, emotion by emotion, she explains how we can manage our reactions to those emotions. Living Beyond Your Feelings, the newest book from New York Times bestselling author Joyce Meyer, is available wherever books are sold. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Let's go to Frank in New York. Frank? Ah, uh, good evening. So how's everything up in Vermont? Vermont? <laughs> it's it's wow. New Hampshire, I swear. Right, New Hampshire. <laughs> I, you know, it's a Freudian slip. <laughs> what are you thinking about? What a Freud slip. So you were thinking about Vermont? What, yeah, what's you know, a Freudian slip? I have to tell you, Vermont judges are far, far more liberal. I've been doing some research on, uh, you know, civil rights issues and uh, sort of, uh, you know, for, for, for New Hampshire being the free state or the free state project state. Yep. Your judges are like really draconian and I have, nasty. This is probably I mean, the this I think the single best uh, p, uh you know uh sort of negative argument towards New Hampshire as the free state out there um, is that the the judges in New Hampshire tend to be uh somewhat uh, draconian and um I you know compared to say uh, Massachusetts and Vermont it may very well be a true statement however yeah. um you know there's i i think that the there are many other governmental processes in New Hampshire which are superior to those states so one shouldn't get myopic absolutely and also you know there's states where the judges are far worse like in Pennsylvania so yep. in Texas so i mean you know we really it, it says something about this country we don't have an even-handed approach to law or the judicial selection. We have grossly incompetent judges that couldn't even pass the bar exam now. And uh, we shouldn't be surprised because they're basically political appointees. And if they're not political appointees, you vote for them. So in a sense, the vote by the members in the community make it a political uh, appointee as well uh, through elections. But what I wanted to talk about tonight was the fact that on Friday, uh, when we had the, uh, when I called, I guess, last time uh, regarding uh, the Middle East and uh, Palestine uh, going forward with their petition for statehood uh, or nationhood in the UN, uh, I wanted to say that, you know, my comments about uh, Benjamin Netanyahu have been proven true. I mean, yesterday he announced that they will be building 1,100 to 16. Uh, hundred uh, new apartments in the illegally occupied uh, 
uh, East Jerusalem. Mm. And all of the Have talk they... about peace is just political nonsense. And uh, I think it's essential right now for the United States sort of to support the Palestinian state as Ron Paul has stated uh, recently regarding the question about Palestinian statehood, that he's offended by the fact that our State Department president are going to veto that uh, in the Security Council. So in a yep. sense, I think we have to be aware of that. And if we really believe in freedom, it has to be provided everywhere. And in Israel, uh, over 75% of the Israeli citizens want a two-state solution. They want a Palestinian state, and they want a sovereign state that can negotiate with Israel as an equal. And the current status uh, prevents that from happening. And that's basically all I wanted to say, that we have to... uh, uh, We're willing to overthrow all sorts of regimes with the prospect of a false peace, And I think maybe what the U.S. should start to think about or American Jewry should start to think about right now is maybe we need need regime change in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And I think that's a good place to start now. We need an Israeli freedom of spring. Uh, And as you can see over the last month and a half, the uh, uh, 700,000 young people that have taken to the streets uh, over issues of housing, employment, the economic situation shows that, uh, you know, that's... Uh, something that the young Israelis are actively pursuing. And Frank, basically, that's all I wanted to say tonight. Do, do so, you think uh, that... Uh, for everyone. Okay, thanks, Frank. Um, do you want to answer a question? Yes. Okay, great. Do you think that a, um, a Republican had been in office, that they would have stood in the way of, uh, of this and uh, vetoed? And, you yes, know, you know. absolutely, because APAC dictates the policy regarding uh, the State Department and the executive and the Senate and the Congress regarding the Middle East. And it's time to say we... We're an independent nation. We're going to pursue our own foreign policy agenda. And, uh, you know, that's basically it. We have to free ourselves from not only the corporate self-interest, but the foreign self-interest that have the opportunity with the political action committees to dominate the legislative process uh, in this country. And I think Americans uh, are going to demand that very soon. And, uh, you know, I think now is the time to support you know, Palestinian statehood and allow for peace to occur in the Middle East. Frank, hasn't the uh, settlement, yeah, right, hasn't the settlement settlement building been going on constantly since since they've been signing that? It's in violation of the UN and it's in violation of international law and it's in violation of uh, uh, all the laws. But it's interesting, you know, Israel's the only nation in the UN that doesn't have specific borders that define the country and they also don't have a constitution that defines the country. Every country in the UN has that. So what might happen in the future if Netanyahu, Likud, and Kadima decide to play this this sort of nasty draconian game, they may not be considered states in the UN. They may may not be a state entity or a na- national entity. And that's something that I think they're. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime about. soon. I mean, well, the point is, all you need is the uh, vast majority to do that. And the way I see the future happening with the debt crisis is that uh, China will be replacing the United States in the Security Council over the next 12 years. So when you have China dominating the Security Council and uh, uh, many of the uh, uh, nations that it does business with, in a sense, you may see a complete change. And then the United States will be impotent to affect any uh, support or change uh, policies uh, for the benefit of Israel. And, you know, that... That is something that you think about. Israel should be an independent nation. It shouldn't be dependent upon a foreign country to solve their problems and pay for their finances, which is what here, the here. United States has been doing for 64 Certainly. years. Certainly. I think Israel could... American I, Jews to come up and to say that. And as a Jew myself, I believe that has to be done. And we have to 
take our principles very seriously. All too often, the synagogues and the Jews in America have been uh, just quiet, wanting to sit back on their hands and let the Zionist organizations make the decisions. But I think right now it's a situation whereby we can see that the Zionist organizations really can't uh, they can't be objective, and they're becoming very dangerous, right. not only with, with the Jewish community, but with the Palestinian community and the world community. And right. there will come a time when, they when the world will say, we don't have to deal with Israel, and when that happens, it'll be tragic. And I don't want that to happen, so it's time for Israel to wake up, and let's get the Israelis to effect regime change. Get rid of Kadima, and get rid of uh, Likud, and yeah. start a new party that's going to demand as... David Ben-Gurion had stated in three cables to Harry S. Truman that Israel would have a written constitution within three years, and that still hasn't happened. And that was over 64 years ago. So let's be honest. Let, let, let's, with this new year of uh, Rosh Hashanah and the High Holy Days coming up, Yom Kippur, let us start to, to re-examine the situation and uh, demand peace. You know, we really need that in the world at this moment. We don't need a nation, specifically Israel, threatening nuclear uh, retaliation with nuclear weapons on Iran for their nuclear program that's completely legal, whereby Israel has an illegal nuclear program that doesn't meet any of the international... Requirements, and we know that. Okay, Frank, Frank, what incentive? There's no incentive for the powers that be in Israel to change the status quo. They're getting free money from the United States. It's time to cut off that money. I I, I agree with you. Frank, Frank, hold on. Slow down. Slow down. You're not the only one on the radio right now. All right. (laughs) Sorry. Yes, please give us a chance to talk. Well, it's a a passionate subject. Of course it is. But what what I'm saying is that. it's it's got to be a grassroots thing. It's got to be the people that you know the the downtrodden and the people that aren't in power, the people that aren't in these political parties, that aren't in the military in Israel, that also work towards this end. It can't just be the United States. It takes Correct. two to tango in this in this instance. And I think you know if that sort of idea is propagated among the youth of Israel and the United the youth of the United States, and you see stuff like Occupy Wall Street going on. And that sort of uh, push towards ending this financial uh, game we're playing across you know, the seas with Israel and then the terrorism that's going on with uh, you know, the other financial markets and, and manipulating them. I think, I think that's the way to go. But the, the, the status quo in Israel, the powers that be, they're not going to change. They're not going to stop building settlements. They're not going to do anything... Because Until the American money that pays for the building of the settlement ceases to exist. And I would love for that to happen. Stop. I would yes. love well, for that to happen. It's going to have to stop. It's going yes. to have to stop because ultimately the United States in May of 2009, Barack Obama paid for the Operation Cast Lead. We, we gave $33 billion to cover Israel's cost of the genocide of the Palestinians in Gaza. And that's an obscenity. 855-450-3733, Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes feed the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Yeah. 
855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call in line here on Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's up to you. The phone lines are open. Call in. Sound Wisdom's SG-1 solar-powered generating system can give you the basics in an emergency or be expanded to handle your whole house. It'll take a 25-foot cubic freezer. That's the really, really big ones, completely off the grid. And you probably can take a regular freezer, you know, a regular sort of stand-up freezer, a refrigerator, and maybe the well pump or something like that, also completely off the grid. So not only are you, uh, you know, you have a solar backup or a, a generating system, just like every other generating system out there, but this one's working for you all the time, paying back the money that the other ones wouldn't be paying back at all. This is a great system. It's simple to use. They'll give you lots of education. The education starts immediately upon you calling them. You can get the number. Go to freetalklivesolar.com. That's freetalklivesolar.com. I recommend this system. Let's go to John in West Virginia. John? Yes. um, On the Israel-Palestinian issue, um, I cannot defend the Israeli position on on many terms. But I cannot support the Palestinian issue based on one thing. They don't even have enough sovereignty within themselves to say, okay, we have the authority to negotiate with you, when half of their coalition government says that Israel doesn't have the right to exist, and their only purpose in life is to destroy Israel. As long as that's the case, it's like two rabid dogs in a cage and say, oh, we're going to have peace between them. It, it makes it very tough, but um, I mean, what would the difference between them set it, having, you know, being free to set up their own state as opposed to being uh, vetoed by the United States? Um, what would be the difference between them being free to set up their own state and being divided on what they w- wish to do with Israel and not being free to? I mean, what's the what's the difference there? Oh, the, the, the only real difference is, as we said flat out all along, that we have a history supporting Israel, and that we whatever. That may be our government is determined it's in our best interest to support Israel, and for us to acknowledge to pretend any different is being a hypocrite. Well, I mean, it's true that so, the, it's true that the United States government have have decided that supporting Israel is good. I don't know that it's in our best interest. Uh, there's no evidence the United no, States government does anything in the best interest of its citizens. In, uh, I, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying right or wrong one way or the other. I'm just saying we can't have hypocrisy within our own things, and we're not on Israel's side. We are. Uh, on I, I am side. not on Israel's side. I am I, not. The United States government sure, tends to be. The average citizen probably is not. Um, a lot of people see the hypocrisy. Uh, I'm retired military, and I can tell you, military guys are the most um, um, questioning about our own policies, and people don't realize it, but... Uh, some some of your uh, co-hosts and some of your guests uh, prior military they know we the military guys we question what we we're questioning our orders all the time we just follow because we took an oath. Yep. Well, I mean, the oath was to, to defend the Constitution. It's difficult to know, um, you know, what, what a constitutional yeah, order is. Yeah. You know, is what the and, funny and part not. is, in, in the military, they don't talk about the Constitution except when you say, when you say that oath. <laughs> I, I, in my experience, there was very very little talk about any anything constitutional at all. Oh, yeah, so. we're here to defend democracy, not practice it. Isn't that what they always tell us? Yeah, so, yeah exactly. <laughs> You're here to follow orders, and it's all about authoritarian control. And, uh, and that's it, really exactly. what it boils it, that down is, to. It's, it's about following no, orders. No, that's, that's, that's what it, it, you take that same concept from an individual standpoint with you and your military interaction, and you expand that same concept up to the state 
Now, the problem that a lot of individuals have within the power structure is they want a state to deal with in the Palestinian area. They want one authoritarian regime to deal with so they can have one contact point saying, listen, you better do it our way. Exactly. And I had a friend once when I was in the military that was always, uh, you know, he was always beating the drum about the Palestinian Jews. I said, look, if you're living in a country that you are not recognized as a full-fledged citizen, that you as an individual have no hope of ever being the prime minister of, you are a second-class citizen, therefore you're going to fight the authority. And that's what the Palestinians that live among Israeli rule live with. So there will never be a point in time when they can say, okay, we are your brothers. And as long as they can't be equal brothers in that land, there's going to be conflict. Well, there's been a lot of uh, movements towards the peace process among individuals in uh, between Israel and, and Palestine, and I think they're getting a lot of traction. It's it's frankly their leaders that are the biggest problem. Of the, the people the people that claim to be the leaders, um, and I would agree with you entirely, John. I don't disagree with anything you've just said there. But you know, these are the folks that they're vying for power, they're vying for land, and and you know, they must seem strong by having a strong stance on Palestine, and they they have to. Uh those those people in the military and the military industrial complex that occurs within you know Israel, just like the United States, they have a lot of pull because they spend a lot of money, and that money gets jobs, that money pays taxes, and it gets through the economy and gets to campaign financing and funding and whatnot, and, and expensive dinners and extravagant vacations. So the money talks in Israel just like it talks in the United States. It's no different. They're they're just the same human beings we are, and and the idea is that they hold on to their their policies are, are much the same as, as here any sort of authoritarian uh regime which which colludes with the businesses is going to have the same sort of model of fascist sort of um tyranny over over the uh, their their lands and the, the people around them and the areas and all that anywhere they can extend their power they will do it john exactly do you have uh you have a second for me to change the subject a little bit sure the cantaloupe scare, the cantaloupe and listeria. Yes. Is that not a prime example of government control of an industry not allowing the individual farmer's market to come in and support the local people and provide wholesome food? Yep. They'll use whatever excuse they can to separate people from their food. Exactly. But yet, now that it's controlled by some, I don't know which company, but basically, I don't know if they're ADM or somebody out there, out there controls that particular line, now we've got 17 deaths with more on the way because of the, the incubation period because of one. These melons come from one farm a thousand miles away, but yet if I turn around and try to uh, have a roadside stand and I don't have the right permits or the right whatever, they come down to me harder than coming down on a crack house. Abs- you're absolutely right. And, the, the you know, this is this is a warning to people, look, wash your wash your produce. Right. <laughs> and that's always good advice. I mean, that's how one can uh, well, handle this um, themselves. But, you know, the fact is that if you can get food from your local farmers, you know where it came from. This is how we live at my house. I mean, we grow our own food um, that we, you know, we grow some of our own food. We buy it from local farmers and uh, get our milk from local farmers and beef from local farmers and things like that. So, you know, I, to me, this is a very important issue because this is how I live my life. I think this is an example of how governments affect and create monopolies in, in by 
by permit by requiring a permitting system so you can sell your produce, you know, it just makes it easier for the Monsantos who can sure. buy permits like by the dozens. Sure. And, and they can oh, not only can they buy them by the dozens, but they'll probably get them for free by colluding with some uh, donation here or knowing the right person and blah blah blah. Yeah, it's just intended to create well, a, a, a cartel. It, it's yeah, exactly. Well, well, it comes down to the one thing: is the government wants economic transactions to be taxed as a means of control. And they take a look at poverty based on economic transaction and not on well-being. Yep, if that much is true. You live next to me and me trade back and forth. And John, I'm thanks for the call. Eight, sorry, I gotta gotta let you go. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live. Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. SpendBitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From SpendBitcoins.com, you can spend your Bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend Bitcoins, go to SpendBitcoins.com. Five five four five zero three seven three three, Free Talk Live. That's our toll free call in line. Brought to you by SACL CAI. You can give us a call on it. It's one eight five five four five zero three seven three three. And SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. So if you've got a company that needs some, try something new in the area of collections. Try SACL CAI. Big sponsors of Free Talk Live. Been doing it for a very long time, and we appreciate them. We appreciate the. Uh, Principal over there, Jason Osborne. It's SACL CAI. Check out freetalklive.com. We offer all kinds of things there for you, including listening options. We're not just on 110 great radio stations and uh, XM and free to air satellite, but we're also on the live stream at freetalklive.com. We've got podcasts going back for five years for free. The webcam at cam.freetalklive.com. And listen lines. You can actually listen on your telephone. We give you numbers. And you, all you have to do is uh, check it out at listen.freetalklive.com. Let's talk to Caleb in St. Louis, Missouri. Caleb. Hey, guys. That's just uh, kind of ironic. I heard you talking about the uh, protest, having all these different diverse groups, some of them seemingly opposed, uh, talking about some of the same things. And I think of this paper in St. Louis as progressive populist. Journal from America's Heartland. It is hardcore liberal uh, socialist uh, pamphlet newspaper here. But along with the the I find terrifying agenda of you know giving away your rights to the government and letting making them take care of you because it's your right. A lot of stuff in here is pretty much the same as us. It makes sense. They're attacking corruption. They're attacking. My favorite article is one attacking Monsanto Seed Company, which yep. I think is the most dangerous company in, in the world right now. And it just, I mean, I'll, I'll mail it to you guys. I'll go to the website and find out your address, and uh, I'll mail you a copy. Okay. It's just ironic that there's so much in here that they get right. It's just a fundamental thing that they still believe in Santa Claus, i.e. the federal government, his role is to take care of us. Other than that, they're not, they're not really that, that much different than us. There, there's a lot, um, you know, the far left and those that, uh, you know, believe in liberty – 
have a lot in common. There's, it's absolutely true. Many of the, many of the things that the, those on the far left point out, they're pointing out a lot of things that are not getting pointed out by the mainstream media, and it's extraordinarily important, and I think that that much is true. Their solutions seem to be, if we could only wrest the power of government again, away from those bad people, right. we could finally keep it for ourselves, and we wouldn't do anything bad, I promise. No, no. Frodo, we would only do good things. Give me the ring, Frodo. I think I could do a better job. That's Don't right. destroy it. <laughs> Don't destroy it, Frodo. I think I could do something I good with it. I must have my precious. Yes, give me it. But I, I think you're... The ring of power will always corrupt. That's right. And, and But they, there are a lot of things, and I think it comes down to a lot of the people on the, the liberal stance or that viewpoint, uh, or individuals that self-identify as such, they, they think about the little guy. And when you think about the little guy or the, the, the poor person, you're, you're, you get down to thinking about the individual... And it's when you start thinking about individual rights that you come upon the same sort of conclusions that libertarians and anarchists can come upon, which is that, you know, all rights are inherently individualistic. They're all based on the individual and they're all they're very natural and very simplistic. And once again, like Mark was stating, you know, their solutions aren't exactly the right ones, but I think those sorts of individuals are a lot easier to persuade and to talk to when you're already halfway there, when you're already thinking about individual rights, then making the correlation between how government only suppresses rights, it can't, it can't protect rights because it has to take them away first. Right. So it's, it's just, it's just smacks of, of, of a lack of understanding. It's a sort of a, a shell game with yes. rights. Um, you know, it's, it's that three card Monty of rights. Well, uh, we'll give you one here. We'll take one away there. Da, 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 da. Caleb. Yeah. The thing, I, I, the thing that scares me is they don't value their own. Uh, God-given or Scientologist-given, whatever right to, to to manifest their own destiny, they they will trade it for a Snickers bar. It just has no value to them. I mean, yeah. they don't even well, get upset about giving up their rights, and that that to me just is. Eric. It's not their rights they're concerned about. It's yours. Um, you know, they're they're generous with your money. So everybody's rights. That's like I don't believe in the death penalty, and I believe. I mean, personally, I think pedophile stuff have the right to be taken out behind the courthouse and shot. Unfortunately. His rights are the same as my rights and your rights. We all have the same rights. Therefore, can't legally do that. I mean, they don't understand that they give away their own rights. They're giving away everybody's rights. If they're going to take somebody else's rights, I mean, it's all the same rights. You know, we're all humans, so they can't. There is no, uh, you know, get rights for us, but take away from someone else. You take away from someone else, you take it away from yourself too. Yeah, that's what it all boils down to. You, you know, when you advocate for the, um, you know, for one person, the tyranny over one person, you're advocating for tyranny overall. And I'm not saying that I don't think that people that uh, commit, you know, violent crimes against other people deserve punishment or, you know, uh, should make good for their victims and should be separated from society well, and things like that. I think that there's an argument to be had for that. But, you know, uh, just the 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 bloodlust that seems to accompany um you know folks when you talk about things like murder and and uh, pedophilia and, and that kind of thing it gets it gets very dangerous very quickly yeah very emotional and that's that's definitely where the logical portion of the brain just cannot continue to to function because the emotional aspects of your human being just override any sort of logic that you could have had unless you until you calm down and start to think about things then you're sort of in a mode of reactionary fight or flight but I think right. well, I don't know. I didn't mean to change the subject to death penalty. I just don't think it's the government's job to to kill somebody. I well, think some some individuals dead bad enough. You you do it yourself and face the consequences. You don't let the government murder, uh, you know, a, a convict 
for you. If you want them dead, you got to go do it. It gives the government that power. You know, it gives the government to come and kill you, and I don't think they deserve that right. Caleb, thanks for the call. 855. 855- 450 free, SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. You know, it's, it's interesting, the uh, the parallels between sort of the uh, the far left and and the liberty movement. And I think that Caleb, you know, rightly pointed out that many of the many of the same problems, um, you know, they, you know, they, they, they all point out that I guess the, the liberty movement and the left look at this, it's a lot of the same problems and they just have some different solutions. I think part of it is is. Certain individuals do want someone to look out for them. They, they simply don't want the personal responsibility that comes with being a free person. And they feel that other individuals ought not have that responsibility either because of any variety of circumstances and variables and socioeconomic situations. I think it's also, in my, in my estimation, my personal estimation, that the, the, the philosophy of the far left in, in some of their social programs just smacks of laziness in that they can go out and they can help people. They can help the, the socioeconomic status of the people around them by donating time and energy and, and maybe starting local groups that help people. But that takes effort. It's that interesting. Takes, it takes people, money. People that self-identify as conservative give more money to uh, charities than people who self-identify as liberal. And this is interesting to me. Now, I don't consider myself to be a conservative by any stretch of the imagination, but what it says to me is that liberals believe the government should take care of that and conservatives believe it's their responsibility. And I think as long as there's this divide in the nation where liberals and conservatives, we're right, they're wrong, whatever that, whatever the side is you pick, that you're never going to see peace because it's a war between these two sides trying to figure out who's going to be in charge. And they're never going to be in charge because people, you know, as they, they both have some bad, bad, bad ideas. Right. And as they use these bad ideas on each other, then, you know, the other side can exploit their bad ideas until we all get the you know similar ideas um, as far as liberty goes you're going to see yes because yeah. conservatives believe the government can solve problems in certain areas and liberal liberals believe the government can solve problems in certain areas both of them have been proven wrong over and over well, and over both, again both ideologies are based on the one size fits all scenario yep. where they can make one law that makes everything fixed and everything you will do work. things the way we say when when in fact they can't and the idea of a multi sort of modeled landscape of communities that have different laws or different structures of government that's the way that it needs to go so that individuals can find that sort of situation that they they want or desire if 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 individuals want safety nets we we could have just private industries create safety nets and you could have competing safety nets where oh you get sick you get hurt you get retired whatever you can have a safety net from this company that has these benefits or the safety net from this company that has these benefits could happen 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at FFF at FFF.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's FFF at FFF.org. 
Free Talk Live, 855-453. You might be able to slip a call in from you, 855-450-3733. Got a little story here, though, that, um, well, it, to some extent, it sounds um, kind of shrill and, and preachy, but at the same time, I think that it points out an important issue. Apparently, a uh, Wisconsin judge has, um, uh, it had something to do with the this is the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund, um, this fellow named Zeneker here, that there is no fundamental right to own a cow or consume its milk. Am I making myself clear? So he goes on. Wait, what? Well, it, it, from what it, it looks like is that the judge is complaining that this case is presented poorly, but I think that's kind of, uh, um, you know, that, that, that excuse can be used in, uh, into the future. Let me read this article. These um, raw milk proponents advocating teach, teach, teach may want to enroll Wisconsin Judge Patrick J. Felder um, in their class in the kindergarten section. In response to a request from the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund, the judge issued a clarification of his decision last week regarding his assessment of the constitutionality of food rights. The judge expanded on his original statement that such constitutional issues are wholly without merit. There is apparently no constitutional right to own a cow or to drink its milk. He explained that the uh, farm-to-consumer legal defense fund arguments were extremely underdeveloped. As an example, he said the plaintiff's use of the Roe v. Wade abortion rights case as a uh, precedent does not explain why a woman's right to have an abortion translates to a right to consume unpasteurized milk. This court is unwilling to declare that there is a fundamental right to consume the food of one's choice without first being presented with more significantly uh, developed arguments on both sides of the issue. Gee, I thought that both had to do with the rights to decide on what to do with one's body. I think that makes perfectly good sense. Yes. It's your body or it isn't, and you should be able to consume what you wish, and, you know, you should deci- decide whatever, um, you know, whether uh, – I, I, I frankly don't think that the well, Roe versus – I'm not on the side of the Roe versus Wade um, debate uh, in this, this case. I do not think that uh, – I think that people have responsibility for their actions. I don't think there's any rights. That, I don't think there's there's anything that gives you natural or otherwise. It gives you rights to own anything. The the rights are simply like you have a right to your life, liberty, and property. There there isn't a whole lot more there. There isn't a right to a job. There isn't right to health care. There isn't right to owning a cow. There isn't right to do, to doing anything. You own yourself. You own your body. You can put whatever you want in your body because it's yours. And if that if that means you want to eat beef, then fine. You have you have every opportunity to eat beef, but you don't have a right. It's not like someone's supposed to sit there and make sure you get your daily portion of beef. Well, what he said is, no, the plaintiffs do not have a fundamental right to con- uh, excuse a, a a right to own or use a dairy cow or a dairy herd. So I think you have the right to own one. Well, I no no. I just want to differentiate between having a right to do something yeah. and then having. A right, sort of like a law against something. It's like, it's like there's no right to own a cow, but there is. There's also no practical law or reason why there shouldn't be someone having the capability of owning a cow. Well, there's a right if you, um, I mean, you know, if you believe in the idea of private property, then you believe in the right to own things, right? Sure. And so if you can own things, then you can own cows. Sure. At this point in life, we have not decided in, in human evolution, we have not decided that animals are sentient be- beings. And- I, I agree with you. But the principle I'm saying is simply that it's just too precise. For, me, for my, my philosophy mm-hmm. and my, my philosophy saying 
to have a right to own a specific item and a specific th- a status or whatever situation. No, no, there's you have a right to property, sure. If you want to count that property as a cow or milk, whatever, that's fine. But I, I think if you own a try- cow, do you have the right to consume its milk? Yeah, you have a right to do whatever you want. He with says that you don't. Well, in, he's he's a guy wearing a dress. I mean, come on, really? How how much pull does this guy really have in life? I'm not talking about the legal system. I long I'm for the day that life. men wearing other dresses um, will have the same uh, you know rights over their own lives as these guys wearing these black moos. Well, let me tell you, nutty folks come out of Wisconsin <laughs> firsthand. I can tell you that. You have to wonder if maybe the uh, regulators are getting a tad uncomfortable with the rulings coming from the nation's judiciary on food rights. Many of these individuals, uh, uh, individuals' uh, biases as they are against raw milk, dabble in farming to some extent or grew up on farms. And the judges, this judge has gone way beyond what many of them have come to assume, that everyone has the right to own a cow and consume its milk, even in places that ban raw milk sales. There's nearly always a provision in state law that allows anyone who owns a cow to have the right to consume its milk. Well, what I would do in my own, my own sort of ideology and philosophy is instead of saying that we have a right to own a specific item, which which to me is, is goes along with the whole gay marriage thing and a, a right to there should there's there's a right to marriage right. There's a right to this. It doesn't have to be a gay marriage or black marriage or or oriental marriage, whatever. It's just marriage. It's the same way with owning. And the state property. shouldn't be involved in it at all. Yeah. So my my thing is, why don't you attack what what right does the state have to restrict your ownership of this item? That's where I would pursue it. Instead of saying we have a fundamental right to this, this, and well, that. This judge clearly believes that anything that you don't have a right to, the state has a right to uh, regulate. And he believes you don't have a right to own a cow or consume its milk if you do, do own it. Well, then he should retire. <laughs> well, he's, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. And I understand the, vaguely understand the, the, the point that you're making here. And, you know, rights are a funny concept. To me, they're a function of ownership. So if I have, uh, if I own my car, I have the right to drive it. You don't own my car, so you don't have the right to drive it. Okay. I may give you the privilege to drive my car, but that is up to me. It's a privilege, not a right. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it's all about ownership. And therefore, if, for instance, you talk about the right to bear arms, I have the right to defend. I have the right to buy things because I have the right to exchange the, go- the fruits of my labor with somebody else who has the right to do the same. And, uh, you know, so I can buy a tool. If I want to use that tool to defend myself, my, you know, life then I have the right to do that. However, when you're talking about, say, the right to clean water or the right to schooling or these kind of things, right. I want clean water and I want education for my son. I want these things. But when you claim that somebody has a right to them, then you're talking about the sort of positive right. Yes. You know, <laughs> that's, that's my point right there in saying you don't have a right to a cow and fresh and, and raw milk because then all of a sudden, next thing you know, everybody's saying, well, where's my cow? If yeah. I have a right to a cow and fresh milk, I want my cow. Five forty acres cow? and a mule. Where's, yeah. where's that? Um, so you know these. Uh, but if somebody's polluting my water that I own, yes. then I have I have the right to have. You know, for instance, there's some bad water claim. out there. Yes, there's bad water out there. I don't have a right to to somebody to have to pay to clean my water up. But if somebody's polluting my water. I have the right to to make a claim against that yes. person. They need to make me whole because they're polluting my water. So there's you know sort of different sides of this. My child, I'm going to educate, and I have the right. I believe I have the right to educate him in whatever manner I wish. But 
I don't have a hold over you. You shouldn't have to pay to educate my child. Right. I mean, why would you? You're not you're not paying to feed my dog. You're not paying to uh, put you know grain out for my chickens. And why I shouldn't you... have to pay for you to have a cow and raw milk either. Just like I shouldn't right. have to pay to restrict you from having a cow or raw milk. This is so. It's a uh, it's a right to own a cow, not a right to have a cow. Okay, <laughs> to own a. I um, mean, you know, I, I get and where you're coming I, I, from. Okay, from that standpoint, then yes, I would say that people do have a right to own a cow because they have a right to own property, as you said in, in the beginning argument you made. Yep. So he says that you do not have a fundamental right to own or use a dairy cow. Um, and use, I guess, you don't have a right to somebody else's dairy cow. So according to the judge's interpretation of Wisconsin law and the original decision, not only only a license holder or individual has a bona fide ownership interest in the milk producer can make milk available. The judge added his own interpretation. Finally, it is clear from their motion to clarify that the plaintiff still fall, fail to recognize that they are not merely attempting to enforce their right to own a cow and board it at a farm. Instead, plaintiffs operate a dairy farm. And as this uh, court already said in its decision and order, if plaintiffs want to continue to operate their dairy farm, they must do so in a way that complies with the laws of Wisconsin. So you have you can own a cow if we tell you you can own yes. a cow. You can have a farm if we tell you you can have a farm. Right. And this is what it's come down to and it's in not the just, freest country on earth, right. supposedly. It's not just a farm or a cow. You, you can own the king's cow. If you have permission, and you can have a farm on the king's land with yeah. permission, that's it's what kind it of, is. It's kind of interesting. Um, you know, they used to have the king's forest where you couldn't hunt unless you had permission exactly. from the king, and then you could go hunt. And this is, you know, this is the license that uh, government has always been giving out. And the, the Constitution says something about not giving out uh, titles of nobility or something like this. These titles of nobility are essentially licenses from the state that gave people the ability to do things, and that's what a license. You know, that's what a license is it's uh it's Paying permission taxes is a license to the state for that land usage yeah it's really it's rent on a piece of land yeah. and um you know it, it goes way back to the lord and and surf situation where serfs paid quit rents in order to uh, live on the lord's land and that's really what it comes down to with property taxes and frankly now the serfs can't even own cows unless the lord says it's okay that's right your Slave. freedoms are going away yeah do something about it 855-450-3733 free talk live you can find us in the meantime at freetalklive.com we're on seven days a week 7 p.m to 10 p.m eastern time free talk live <laughs> 